Welcome to the If I Had More Time podcast at Mariner's Church. This podcast series invites you into a casual conversation with our senior pastor, Eric Geiger, and our teaching team to hear a few helpful insights and truths they wish they had time to include in the weekend message. Be sure that you have listened to this weekend's message prior to listening to the podcast so you get the most out of our current series. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the If I Had More Time podcast. We are starting a new series here at Mariner's Church this weekend, Losing It, Overcoming the Grip of Anger on Our Lives. I'm sitting here with John Thomas, our Irvine Discipleship Pastor, and Eric Geiger, our Senior Pastor. My name's Liz Powers. I'm our Content Pastor here at Mariner's. We just got to listen to Eric give the online message for this week. Oh my goodness, Eric. It's really, really great. I'm I'm so excited for our church to get to hear it. Really grateful for what you brought. It it's pretty heavy. The, it's it's a, weighty, right? It's a weighty passage. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, I mean there the the um obviously anger's weighty. Yeah. And then the question which I felt like we had to start the series with, okay, but I read passages that say God's angry. How God deal and how does God deal with his anger? Which then brings us which so the question's weighty. And then, I mean, the passage that we looked at is beautiful and stunning. You could spend a year in that passage. Right. It's so loaded. That's why some scholars and theologians say it, it is a summary statement, really, of the whole story of the Bible. Yeah. We were just sitting here talking about it earlier. It's like, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, how many yeah. times you've heard this message. And in your case, you said even preach the message. Yeah. Like, it still like wrecks me afresh oh, every time. Yeah. The yeah. word, the words in that passage are are just so beautiful and have such weighty imagery, um, and reminds us of the holiness of God, our foolishness, His love, what He's done for us. It's it's just beautiful. I mean, I think we were all wrecked just hearing you talk, teach that just a moment moments ago. Um, unbelievable, as we said, there's just so much profound depth in that. And just even now, you just get emotional thinking about the weightiness of God and what he did. And he took on our sin and shame on our behalf. And I was surprised, to be honest with you, even when I first saw the um, the sermon brief. We're talking about anger. My expectation yeah. was, all right, here's five ways to deal with anger. Here's here's a beautiful, profound pa- passage of how we manage it. But where you took us in the profound, not just the theological depth of what God has done, which garners in us worship and overflow of appreciation. Yes. And how that helps us to understand anger, what God did on our behalf, I was surprised by, but so profoundly grateful. Yeah. And so I don't know where all this conversation is, but my, oh my goodness, I'm so, I'm so grateful for where you're taking us and where you're leading this. And, and of course, we're going to talk in the weeks to come about the implications for relational anger cool. and how we manage that in our, in our one-on-one relationships. Uh, but where you took us, an understanding of what God did on our behalf, I'm so grateful for it. And... I just want to want to get there. Want to, and yeah. It also brings up so many different oh, questions. So, yes. So many different questions. There's profound beauty in it. Yeah. And there's a profound perplexity in it too. Yeah. That this is one of the topics that some would say, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why God has to express His anger in that way. JT, that's so good. And and I, I think this podcast, this if I had more time podcast, will probably be a bit weightier than than some of ours, because if I had more time in the sermon, this one we. The passage just causes some questions, but also has such richness to it. And so I've heard people wrestle with some of the things that, that 
I taught this weekend. So you'll have people say, I don't know if I like this God. This feels like cosmic child abuse. A God the Father punishing God the Son. There was a group of, of Christians who wanted to take a Keith Getty and Stuart Townsend song and change it. And I, and I know this because we in my former life, we published Keith Getty and his wife, Kristen, a, a book called Sing. But they wrote a song called In Christ Alone, In Christ Alone. It's a great song. But there's a lyric in there that on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, mm -hmm. which is what I essentially preached this weekend, that Christ is that first sacrifice who the anger of God was satisfied in Jesus on the cross. Well, the, these Christians loved in Christ alone. I mean, it's such an awesome hymn. But they did not like the mm -hmm. phrase, the wrath of God was satisfied. So they asked for permission from, from Keith Getty and Stuart Townsend, can we change the song to the love of God was magnified till on the cross as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified, which is true too. The love of God was magnified. And they would have made a lot of money to change that one lyric because this was going to be published in a bunch of hymnals and so they would have the royalty rights. But I, I remember talking to Keith about it and they did not, they, they said no. They said, the love of God is indeed magnified, but you can't understand that the love of God is magnified without understanding that the wrath of God is satisfied. Mm -hmm. But there was a group of people who did mm -hmm. not want in their hymnals the wrath of God satisfied. So all that to say, there, there will be people who wrestle with the truth of the message that was taught. And it's just scriptural too. It is very. It's Romans five nine. It's you've got to cut. You got to cut some other. You got to cut a lot out of your Bible to you get do. to. You have to cut out some of the sacrificial system. You have to cut out. I mean, you have to explain away some passages in the Bible if you don't want the wrath of God satisfied. Mm -hmm. But but the, guys, the wrath is satisfied. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. There's no wrath left for us because of what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what are like what are some terms that we'll hear in a theological conversation yeah. around atonement? We there's a lot like people people think about it pretty differently, or it's yeah. like, or it's a lot of different ones, but it's ever so slight differences. What are some that we'll hear? That's good. Okay, so uh, atonement is a word where it describes how we were made one again with God. So we're everyone agrees or most agree that we're separated from God because of our sin. Well, how are we made right? How are, how, are, how are we brought back to God? Mm -hmm. And I, I really want our church, I feel responsible for our church to understand that Jesus on the cross is, is not merely an example for you of how to die. Jesus is your substitute. Jesus is your sacrifice. He died in your place for your sin, on your behalf. And... That's while, while I'm assuming if you're at Mariners, you're like, yeah, I mean, we hear that all the time. And we, do, we teach that all the time. But understand that there'll be some that don't uh, appreciate that or like that, and they prefer um, Jesus as an example. Right. Yeah. And so I, I know this because one time I taught, at, I taught at an event. It was a leadership event. So it wasn't, no one was expecting me to open my Bible. This was more like a leadership talk I was given. But some kind of way in my talk, I, I just 
made a statement about being grateful that Jesus died on my behalf or Jesus d- died to take away my sins. It was a leadership talk, so it was that was I didn't preach, but I, I had that statement in there. And the, the person who brought me to the airport told me that they would never be able to have me back, although like the leadership talk went really great because because you said this and and this was a Christian conference. Because many of our people, they prefer Jesus as example, not Jesus mm-hmm. as sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So so and, Jesus as example. Yeah. Explain like what does that change for us? Oh, well, See, some think that would be awesome, Jesus as example. Uh, and Jesus is, is our example, but he's not only our example. So Jesus as an, as an example would, would only be what would Jesus do. So you, you, know, you walk around with a what would Jesus do bracelet. Great, awesome. But if you don't also have Jesus as your sacrifice, then you only are looking at, at Jesus as this moral figure to emulate. Right. But here's, the, the, here's like why I actually think that is going to crush you. Yeah. I've been unable to do what Jesus did. I am, I am so fallen and broken and sinful. You know, I agree with what C.S. Lewis said. You never really know how bad you are until you try to be good. Yeah. I, yeah. I keep falling short. I'm not the husband that I need to be every day. I'm not the dad I need to be every day. I'm not the pastor I need to be every day. I'm not the man I need to be every day. I mean, by God's grace, I'm not what I, wa- I was, and he's still growing me, but I, I fall short. And if I only fall, follow Jesus as, a, as example, I'm actually crushed because I keep missing the mark. So I thank God that he's, yes, my example, he's the perfect demonstration of the Ten Commandments. I fall short of the commandments, mm-hmm. I fall short of Jesus. But thank God he's not only my example because I'd be crushed and in bondage if Jesus is only my example. I need Jesus to remove my sin. I need Jesus to remove my shame. And I'm so grateful that he absorbed all on the cross. To go from one British theologian to another, from C.S. Lewis to John Stott, right? That yeah. John Stott quote about, I myself could never be a Christian if it weren't for the cross. Oh, amen. It's impossible because I would just be chasing an example that it's I can never live up to. I would be crushed by that example. But because Jesus has come in my place, yes. taken on not just my sin, my shame, and my guilt, but the wrath of God. Yeah is because I have freedom now yeah. because of what he's done, not because of what, what I have done. But I think you're right. There are so many in this moment that want to skirt away from that, reject that, have counter arguments to that for some of the reasons that, that you mentioned. I think part of it is we just we can't conceptualize it. We can't understand how that works out. How does yeah. the, the, What does that do? How does the wrath, why is that necessary? And, and I think, I mean, the Apostle Paul owned it in yeah. the book of Corinthians. He, he called it the foolishness of the cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. I, I basically, you know, 2,000 years ago, saying that some were trying to intellectualize away from the cross, trying to have another view or another paradigm or a different way that you could be made right with God. But it's actually the foolishness of the cross that changes the world. It's the foolishness of the cross that reconciles us to God. Stott, who wrote, who you're referencing, he wrote that in one of my favorite books, but it's hanging on my wall. It's called The Cross of Christ. Yeah, yeah. And in The Cross of Christ, I mean, it's amazing. In Cross of Christ, Stott said, sin, the essence of sin, is man substituting himself for God. Essentially, man places himself where only God deserves to be, which is on the throne. Guilty, I've done it. I've put myself on the throne of my life. I have said, I want to make this decision. 
I want to be the one in charge. I have fallen short of the glory of God. That's the essence of sin. Me placing myself where only God deserves to be. Stodd goes on and says, the essence of salvation is God placing himself where only man deserves to be, which is God placing himself on the cross. So God placed himself. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's so good. Who wouldn't want that? We don't deserve it. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah. So, so those who say that's an that's that's un, uh, you know an unloving view of God. I'm like, man, you that's it's the most gracious view of God. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. And the true love of God. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Beautiful. I I'm thinking about the struggle with this idea, and I don't know which came first for me. Was it my understanding that it was an atonement, that there was substitution? Or was it when I was first made aware of like just how much I needed it? I was made aware of just how broken and how completely deprived I yeah. am apart from him. Like which yeah. came first, I'm not sure, but they do constantly remind me of one another. Like the more that I see the sacrifice, the when I'm reminded on days like this, weekends like this, of what he did for me, I, I'm reminded of my sin all the more and I actually think it's good for me yeah. like to be reminded of that. No, it's beautiful. Um in the uh, Liz, I I think you described it exactly synonymous with my experience. So the closer you get to Jesus, you actually see yourself more sinful. I mean, the apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners, you know. Um, and he was a great guy. And he was he, he wrote half the New Testament, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, um, yeah. and called himself like the biggest, totally the biggest sinner. Before yeah. we get to Romans eight, which is kind of the apex, many people think of Christian theology right there. Romans seven. Yeah, he's saying all I, the things I want to do, I, I don't know what to do. do. I can't do it. And then can't. he writes Romans eight. It's like what's, then he writes what's going on here? And so you would think yeah. I I could understand how someone would say, "You miserable Christians, yeah. you think how sinful you are," but we also know that Paul was filled with. Joy. He wrote. We just studied the book of Philippians together. He he wrote so much about joy. So as you get closer to Jesus, this is what happens. You do see yourself as more sinful because you see His holiness. But then that doesn't crush you that you see yourself as more sinful. It actually causes you to realize, oh my gosh, I'm more loved than I thought I was. Yes. I'm. I. His grace is even bigger than I first realized. Yeah. His mercy. It it, it, it it tastes even better than I first knew when I first became a Christian. So this doesn't crush you. This actually gives you more joy. More. What would crush me is is a Jesus who only tells me how to live, but doesn't forgive me for all the times I fall short. That's right. That's what would crush me. That's right. Jesus on a cross doesn't destroy me. It only brings joy and liberation to me. And worship. And worship. I, I for want sure. to fall on my face. Totally. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I love where you brought us to to the sacrificial system and the Day of Atonement and how that helps us to more fully understand and live into the redemptive story that Jesus has won on our behalf. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit more about that. I mean, I love even the visual of the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Um, I just watched uh, Raiders of the Last Ark with my daughter for so now you know now, for a high school assignment and, summer and, program, and, and you could tell her like we have the Ark at the church. I know, I like, told people, her. people were wondering where the Ark is. We have it. Don't get too close because your face might melt off, and it's 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 amazing. Nineteen eighty one graphics are alive in that in that movie, but I'd love just to maybe just a double click or a deeper look look at look at that. How does that help us understand even more fully what Jesus did? 
not only the, the mercy seat, but the, the sacrificial system involved yep. with the goats. Just there's so much depth, depth there. There's a ton of depth. And I, I mean, obviously, it was probably a seven or 10 minute part of the sermon. So, yeah. And there's the yep. whole book of Leviticus, <laughs> you know. So you're tr- I'm trying to That's sum right. it up in a little bit. Yeah. But the mercy seat, Jesus being called the mercy seat is massive. Yeah. When you realize that beneath the mercy seat were the commandments mercy triumphs over judgment. So good. I need mercy because I haven't been able to keep the commandments. Mm-hmm. Jesus being the mercy seat, he's merciful towards me. But the mercy seat's also where God and man meet. Jesus is the place where now we are made one with God. Yeah. You know, so Jesus being the mercy seat. Jesus being both sacrifices is important. There's um I, I've I've seen some incredible sermons where Preachers have brought a goat out, but they've only talked about one of the two goats. Mm -hmm. And so everything they said was true. Jesus is the goat who is sent away because Jesus sends away your sins. And that everything in that sermon was true. But if you only hit one of the goats and you don't hit the other, you you get an incomplete picture of the gospel. Because the gospel is Jesus satisfying the wrath of God and sending your sin away. Yeah. And then there's others who have only hit, talked about the goat that is, that is slaughtered. That is true. But Jesus is not only the sacrifice who is slaughtered. Jesus is also the sacrifice who has caused your, your sins to be sent away. It's, so it's, it's, it's both. It's both. It's it's both. both. Yeah, even that system. I would imagine this is just me in my creative mind thinking about the goat that is sent away on that day of atonement. And that goat might come back. <laughs> <laughs> you might be walking through the village, and hey, there's that goat, and it might might be a reminder to you of wow, actually, is this fine? Is yeah. this final? And that's not what Jesus. It, his, Jesus yes, it's his, his his sending away is is completely final. It, and I mean, you know, even if that happened, it, that'd be funny because it would only show that that was an imperfect totally system. Yes. Uh-huh. Because if it was perfect, that the writer of Hebrews says. Hey, the, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away your sin because if they could, why do why were they offered over and over again? Yeah. In other words, if it worked on Day of Atonement year this year, yeah. why why are you doing it again next year? Right. Because it never was designed to actually fully take away your sin. It was a symbol to show you that a sacrifice was going to come. Right. Who could take away your yeah. sin? Yeah. So if that goat comes back and reminds you of your sin, I mean Jesus is coming back, not to remind us of our sin, but to be the conquering King who totally. shows it is finished. Completely, completely done forevermore yes. when he returns all things set right so yeah thanks be to god <laughs> it's beautiful yeah. Yeah. i mean the sacrificial system and that's another thing that people could wrestle with like yeah. that's so bloody i i think sometimes when we sing songs at church and i'm grateful that we do sing songs that yeah. have jesus as our blood our redemption mm-hmm. but i'm thinking about you know someone who i invite to church who's new to the christian faith like man who are you people yeah. singing so much about blood and so that's why i think it's great that we take time to explain why yes, we do. Right. I mean, it's very important to us. Our faith, the reality of our faith, it, it, it's a bloody faith. The center of our faith is our crucified Savior on a cross. Right. Yeah. Our faith is a bloody faith. Why Why were the sacrifices in the Old Testament? They, they, they really, they accomplished multiple purposes. They, they caused a loathing, or they were intended to cause a loathing of sin. Because every time you sin, something has to die. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, oh, I got the, another animal has to be sacrificed. The wages of sin. The wages of sin mm-hmm. is death. Right. So the sacrificial system. Now, 
hard people's had their hearts hardened and that that didn't always happen but mm-hmm. the intention was to cause a loathing, a loathing of sin a and b a longing for a savior mm-hmm. who would end it all mm-hmm. who would be the once and for all sacrifice mm-hmm. so you got to remember the bible is one big story overarching story 66 different books the sacrificial system that phase in human history it was intended to create this mm-hmm. longing for jesus mm-hmm this loathing of sin, and then, boom, Jesus enters our world yeah. and is the once and for all sacrifice. Yeah, that's right. I'm glad you you brought up the larger narrative, bigger story of the scripture, because I, I was thinking about the story of God course that we have, yes. Deep Dive, yeah. and how you'll teach on the covenants. And like I, I think that when I started to really understand not just this concept, but I think the need that I have for the atonement was when I started understanding covenants yeah. and it was understanding the old Testament. Yes. Honestly. And, and then when I read the bigger story, the larger story, the relief that comes over me right. when I, when Jesus steps on the scene after the 400 years of silence, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, they've been longing for, for a savior, for something, for a word from God. And then more than just giving them a word, he sends them the savior that's going to, they don't have to do those things anymore. So th- this was one of my questions. They don't. Why? Why did we go from the goat to a man? Like, what? Why did we have to do that? Why? What was? Yeah. <laughs> what was that about? Yeah, because yeah. the goats were insufficient. Yeah. Um, you know, we needed, we needed God Himself to remove our sin to bring forgiveness. The um, Jonathan Edwards said about about God becoming man, that the reason Jesus, this is also from the book of Hebrews, that he had to become like his brothers, the scripture says. So basically he had to become the sacrifice. So Jesus has always existed. God the Son, the second member of the Trinity, has always existed. Mm -hmm. But why did he take on human flesh and skin, name Jesus, walk the earth? because he had to be put in a position to suffer. So Edward says that in the deity, God himself is incapable of of being treated that way. Mm -hmm. He's he's beyond all, he's beyond that level of humiliation. He's beyond being crucified on a cross. Mm -hmm. He's God. Mm -hmm. And so God had to be made like his brothers, the book of Hebrews says. Jesus had to become this suffering servant so that he could be put in the capacity, now I'm quoting Edwards, so that he could be put in the capacity for our for suffering so that he could remove our sin. Yeah. Also, the goat would have no choosing. The goat wasn't like, I'll step in and be the sacrifice. That's a really good point. The goat was grabbed and put on the altar and had no choice of it. Jesus came. And the goat was clearly not God. And not God. So that's yeah. important. So the, I mean, yeah. so the imagery is yeah. a pure, unblemished sacrifice. But that's just imagery. Totally, this is not deity. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, you had it's you know you had a sacrifice, but not God. Yeah. yeah, and you had an unwilling sacrifice. That's right. So here you have Jesus, who is God and the willing sacrifice. Mm, the joy set yeah. before him. The, yeah. Oh my God! The gosh. cross. The joy. Yes. Really. The, the joy. That's also yeah. Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it wrong to be thankful that I'm on this side of the cross? Like, oh, I'm so thankful I'm on this side of the cross. I I just, like, I can't hear this sermon and have this conversation and not just thank God for the time that I'm alive. Like, And that, and that 
I live, I live in a time where I can open a Bible at my house and read this. Yes, and we get the full story. I mean, we, we are so spoiled. I, I can get, you, right now you're listening to this podcast. You can listen to a podcast about the blood of Jesus. You can turn on Christian radio. Oh, we are so exposed mm-hmm. to the goodness of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we're accountable because we are. I love it. JT, thanks so much for joining us. It was an amazing start to yeah. the Losing It series. I mean, why why did you start this series on anger with the wrath of God? What what does that mean for us for the rest of the series? I, I really started because as we deal with our own anger, which we all wrestle, I I just have had so many people wrestle, talk to me about, well, doesn't God get angry? And then, yes. Well, how did he deal with his anger? He didn't, he didn't suppress it. He doesn't go around like the angry coworker who's always yelling at people. He didn't overexpress it. He beautifully addressed it. And so in our own lives, then the rest of the series will be about how do, we, how do we have righteous anger? How do we get rid of our unrighteous anger? How do we address anger? So even if, you, you know, hopefully this weekend, if you're already a Christian, you're, your heart's refreshed that what Jesus did for you. But as you look for the rest of the teaching series, you can go in with, okay, I, I, I want to I be like Jesus. I, I want to address anger, right. not suppress it, not chaotically express it. I want to address it. Thanks for joining us today on the If I Had More Time podcast hosted by Mariners Church. We hope to see you next weekend at any of our congregations across Southern California or online. To view our service times at each congregation, be sure to check out our website at marinerschurch.org.